girls, one ghost. Two girls, one ghost. Should we swap real quick and you do all the whispering and I do the normal talking? <laughs> Apparently whispering is worse for your voice. I oh, have yes. laryngitis for people who are listening. Sorry, didn't even have a voice at all last week. Luckily, we had the live show to post. Mm-hmm. But this week, this is what you get. I think I kind of sound sexy, but no one it else has is. told me that. Oh, my gosh. We already have really deep, like, raspy voices, and this is going to be an extra sultry special episode. And we are your ghostesses. That sexy, lovely lady with the hot voice mm. over there is Corinne. Doesn't illness turn you on? <laughs> And I'm Sabrina. Hello. Hey. You know what I love is that every time we do our pre-roll ad and then we wait to do start talking, you and I both like dance as if we're dancing to our intro song. Theme song. We just sit here silently for like 30 seconds bopping our head. Bopping our head. Create some space for the intro music. Oh, yeah. Get into the mood. Oh, yeah. Um, So we posted our live show last week and I think we have exciting news to share. We do have exciting news to share. Should we, we say have. it at the same time? Okay, ready? Three, two, one. We're going to Live show Boston. in Boston. <laughs> Boston, it's my turn. My home city now. Mm-hmm. We don't have ticket info yet because we do not have a link, but it's going to be May 5th, which is a Sunday, at 8 p.m. at Laugh Boston. Yes, we're excited. That's all we have for you right now. But mark your calendars and... We'll see you there. And we're also working on planning other shows in other cities. So just if you don't live in Boston, that doesn't mean we will never see you. Nope. Until the other side, we might see you in a few months. We're trying hard. We're trying hard. We are. We've been busy. Which is why, oh, I just wanted to say, uh, just at the beginning, well, first of all, thank you to just, I feel like we are so supported in this podcast. So whether it's Patreon or people just supporting us on merch, I just feel so grateful for everyone. But also, Corinne and I have gotten very busy, and I wanted to say thank you to Eric Foster at Upfire Digital Media for helping us with editing this episode. Thank you, Eric. Ah, so what's new with you, Sabrina? I mean, I I had the flu for the second time this season, so I have nothing new in my life because I've been holed up in my apartment. And last week I didn't have any voice at all, so I literally couldn't talk to people. I was very isolated. That sounds like my dream. It was fine in the beginning, but then after a while, well, act, here's one big perk. I got very good at charades. Very Ooh. good. I think I got very good because even at work, I would have to communicate with people. And if they weren't emailing me or like jabbering me, I'd just do charades. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. Yeah. See, you're learning new life skills. Illness is good for you at times. Illness. Illness. I'm over illness. Illness needs to GTFO. This is the sickest I've ever been. And I'm blaming public transportation because this is the first year that I've taken it. And this is the first year that I've like actually really been sick consistently since moving out of California. I will say I got pneumonia every year that I lived in California. What? Every year? Why? Yes. Because my lungs were used to the sweet, sweet, pure air of Vermont. And then I moved to California and I got pneumonia every year there because the smog. Yeah. I just wasn't used to it. There are days where... Like I'll get – so on my Apple Watch it has like the weather and then it will show you what the air quality is. 
And especially in Burbank, it is always so bad. Oh, gross. Yeah. Well, okay, here's the problem with the West Coast is they get the pollution, not only the pollution that they themselves create, but the pollution that is coming over from like Asia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter where you are. We're all going to die one day and we'll all be on the other side living on this other plane. So it's fine. Okay. Speaking of dying, have you seen the show The Good oh. Place? Have I seen the show The Good Place? I'm pretty sure I've told you to watch that. <laughs> well, I didn't listen. Exactly. Well, I just watched it. I watched like all of it, all two seasons. Yeah. When I was homesick on Monday from work a couple weeks ago, all of it. Oh mm-hmm. my God. I love it. It's so good. So good. It's what I hope the other side is kind of like, minus some of the bad parts, but. You're paired with your soulmate. Yeah. And there's like Froyo all over the place. Yeah. Oh my gosh, and nothing hurts your stomach. You can eat everything. Yes, you can. I don't even, I'm not a big froyo person. I just go for the toppings. Ooh. That chocolate crunch that they have at Pinkberry. You're making oh, me hungry. No. Don't do this, Corinne. I know. We're both, Sabrina and I are both on little specialty uh, nutrition plans to figure out our own digestive issues at the moment. Yeah. So we currently don't get to eat froyo in sweets. And goodness. Let's just keep talking about good things. Oh, Twizzlers. Those are one thing I that I miss. don't care for those. Okay, then they're all mine. That's you fine. You can have all of them. So long as I get all of the Bunch of Crunch. I don't even know what that is, so you can... It tastes like cardboard, but I freaking <laughs> love it. It's my favorite movie theater snack. Oh, I can't even have popcorn. Don't... Stop. Everything you say is going to make me think of a food that I can't eat. <laughs> Sorry. It's Okay. I finally am starting to get uh, vitamin D. It's what I'm focusing on in my life because I realized I spend all my day inside and Mm -hmm. then when I work out, I go to like a class or a gym. It's inside again? Yeah. And then like it doesn't count that I sit in my car for two hours and might get a few rays here and there because it's like that's not the same as actually like light beaming touching your raw skin. So uh, I've been making it an active point of my life that on the weekends I go outside for at least an hour. That's such a good goal. Everyone should do that, weather permitting. That's yeah. a great goal. Yeah, it mm-hmm. sucks. I was talking about it today with people, with coworkers. That it's, you commute to work, so usually you're sitting. And a lot of people's commutes are like an hour. Mine's like 45 minutes. And mm-hmm. then you go into your office and you sit for 8 to 10 hours and then you go sit again to travel home. There's so much sitting. It's why our butts are all getting flat and our hips are all getting wider. I've always and... had flat butt. Okay, but it's probably 10 times worse because you sit all day. Oh, yeah, a little pancake. Pancake booty? I feel it. I feel mine becoming flatter and flatter. And it's so sad because the squats I've done, it's all just going out the window. <laughs> um have you been following Aquafina? Not no, not the water. Aquafina, the like comedian slash rapper slash actress. No, I, I'm not good at that stuff. You're great at it. I I just don't have time for it. Okay, well I love her. Well, I don't have time for it either. But I watched part of. Well, I did watch Crazy Rich Asians. Yes, I have seen that. And then so she's the best friend in Crazy. Right, but I'm not like actively following her life outside of the things that like she's in oh well I guess me neither but I did a little 10 minutes of stalking when she <laughs> was at the um oh my god what, what's the award show Oscars Oscars 
she was at the Oscars and I was like, oh my God, she looks so different outside of the movie with long hair. And then I just looked her up on Instagram and then I stalked her whole Insta and I realized (laughs) that she had made rap music videos. And there's one and she raps like one of the lines is her talking about having a flat butt (laughs) because all the women are always like so jealous of my ass. And she raps like never had one. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I know. I love it. I thought you were going to say she rapped about ghosts, but. Oh, no. This is a paranormal podcast. Yeah. That is what we do talk about. You know what? Can I just say something? Yeah. That's what this is. This is a podcast where we say things. Okay, my voice sounds like shit. This episode is not going to be easy to listen to me. I'm sorry that I'm sick, but it's either we post one with the voice that I have this week or we don't post at all. So here's my me yelling at one person. <laughs> we can't help when we're going to be sick or not, and it's hard to plan ahead. We do We do a lot of work for this podcast every week. And so just embrace us for our flaws because we're human and you are too. And we can't be perfect. And that should make you like us more. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Goodbye. Okay. This week we're talking about curses. Maybe, Corinne, you've been cursed and that's why you have no voice. Literally. I think that's the truth. Well, we used to think we were cursed for a long time. We did. We kind of were. Yeah. It was weird. We, we were having some major issues in the beginning. Let me just say this. As soon as you and I really, really talked about like we're definitely cursed, it kind of went away. Yeah. Wait, we named the whole episode The Hex because we ended up having to record that exact same episode, what, four times? Yeah. The recording would just either not record or there were a ton of like noises over it It was so bizarre so bizarre yeah but it was like happening for like a month straight then i feel like once we were like okay this is serious we've really been cursed it just something happened in the next few weeks and it lifted maybe that's when we got our ghost perhaps or maybe a lovely little listener did a little um ritual prayer protection spell sort of thing for us whoever's out there protecting us we appreciate you and whoever is out there hexing us or cursing us we curse you back f you (laughs) (laughs) i will never curse anyone i I, based on these stories i will never curse anyone i never wanted to but like it just don't put innocent people in the way of your own anger you know it's like when you're driving on the freeway and someone like and you cut someone off and like then like scream at them for your own issues. Well, that's a very benign case. But like, what if right. something really horrible happened? What if someone came, let's say, and did something awful to one of your family members? My dad was cursed. I'm trying to give you an example of where you would want to curse someone. I wouldn't. I never would. You and I are different in that regard because I am an intense person. And yeah. I also, my mom tells me my pride is my biggest problem. <laughs> I just feel like, Karma is a thing, and if you put good out there, and if you are a positive person, that's what will come back to you. And so, if someone murdered one of your family members in a brutal way and had no remorse and was just like an awful, awful person, you wouldn't want to curse them. No, I I would Sabrina because because that's not going to bring my loved one back. Saint Sabrina, that's not going to bring my loved one back. Yeah, but it and if anything, it's gonna it's gonna hurt me more because I'm holding a grudge and I can't let go. I don't want someone who's harmed me so badly to continue to be on my mind and to continue being an influence in my life. 
I want them to be as far away as possible. You sound like someone who goes to a lot of therapy. And I sound like someone who doesn't, where I'm like, no, I think an eye for an eye. (laughs) (laughs) I love therapy. Yeah, you're much more at peace than me. But, okay, my dad did get cursed. Have I ever told you this? Yes, but did we talk about it on the podcast? I don't know if I have, but uh, even if I have, I'm saying again because this is our topic. My dad and mom started a – I can't remember if they were married yet, but basically my dad was doing a business dealing with this guy and he had this contract in his briefcase and him and the guy got in like a big argument, but the contract was already signed. And then him and this guy ended up in the elevator together leaving the building and this guy is pissed at my dad like fuming because things aren't going his way. And my dad heard him mutter something under his breath and my dad was like, okay, that's weird. And then that night when my dad got home, my animals, so this is before I was born. So the animals in the house, the dog and the two cats are going wild, like Mm -hmm. barking and meowing, running around the whole place like something is wrong. Again, trust your pets. Like They know something was attached to him. Something came back. And uh, a bunch of other weird stuff happened. I don't know exactly what, but the next morning, the contract – that my dad had had that guy signed was just completely missing. He had known where it was. It was just missing. And so basically whatever that deal they had was, was just completely gone because they, they had no contract to prove it. What? And there were some other things like bad luck things that were happening. And I he didn't had to go. remember the contract detail. Yeah. And he had, to ha- he had to have someone like help remove whatever this was. Your dad has the worst luck when it comes to paranormal activity. Or is it karma? I don't know. Is it karma? He, he's admitted whatever his past soul, past life is, it was not a good person. And I think he battles with that still. Man, oh I love man. him, but, you know, we all have our demons. Maybe he is a demon. Maybe there's a demon oh, living yeah. inside of him. What does that make me and if sh- I'm half demon? Oh, Sabrina, perhaps. Am I am I a demigod? <laughs> I, okay, well let's I'll talk about my curse now. So I decided to do the dead man's chair curse. Also known as Busby's stoop chair. Busby's stoop chair. Okay, I have this problem all the time, Corinne, and you need to help me because there's a bar in Los Angeles called Busby's, but I always say Bisby's, and I think I'm gonna say that with his name. I don't know why, because it's like busy, so I think Bisbee's. Interesting, because but it's, it's spelled with a U. Yes, but the word busy, B-U-S-Y, is busy, oh. not buzzy. And like business. Okay, I, I get it. But like buzz buzz, buzz light year. Bumblebees. Okay, so I'm going to say Busby. Okay. Busby. Busby's stoop chair. Okay, so there's a tiny museum in Thirsk, North Yorkshire, and it's called Thirsk Museum. And within it, you'll find a chair that's lifted up off the ground, very high up, so no one can sit on its wooden seat. Why? I thought for a second you meant that there was a levitating chair. Oh my gosh. I was like, how has the world not ended? This is so cool. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's it's okay. purposefully put up at a height so that no derriere bottom sits in it. You know, this is sounding familiar. I think I've heard a little bit about it, but I don't know any details. So I'm okay, excited great. to hear. Good. Because otherwise, like, I would just go home and cry because it's like, what's the point of me freaking telling this if you already know Sorry, it? I already know this. Can you do something else, please? Yeah. Let me real quick research in 20 <laughs> let me seconds. Real quick do- 
Um, okay, so why is a chair put up there? Like, that doesn't make sense. It's so weird, right? Like, a chair is supposed to be sat in, and your butt is supposed to be cozy and getting flat in this chair. But, 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 flat butt. Is this chair <laughs> cursed? You wouldn't die if you sit in this chair, would you? Sabrina, you're making me nervous. <laughs> it really you're could. Making me you really could die if you sit in this chair. And it's estimated that over 60 people actually have died after sitting in this chair. And wow. So, uh, let's talk about this curse, shall we? Yes. Let's start at the beginning. So Thomas Busby was an interesting man who lived in the 1600s in North Yorkshire. And he... He liked to indulge in alcohol to the point of being called a drunk, and he also enjoyed stealing things. All of his flaws did not get in the way of him owning an inn or finding a nice lady, and so he married this woman. Her name was Elizabeth Outy, and she was the daughter of a small-time petty crook by the name of Daniel Outy. So maybe it was real love, or maybe Busby and Elizabeth bonded over crime, or maybe Busby met Daniel Auti through their through their business dealings because criminals are obviously doing crime together. And then he got arranged marriage or I don't know. But basically they fell in love and they got married. And mm-hmm. this man, Daniel Auti, who was Elizabeth's dad, had a small farmhouse in the village of Kirby Weisk. And that's where he had like this house – he had built his own house in this like secluded area and he like kind of had his illegal coining business in this building. And basically he made artificial money and gave it to people or sold it to people. And he had – he built hidden chambers and secret passageways in order to do it underneath and in within his home, which is like a dream house. That's so cool. Yes. Because I obviously want a dream house where I can do my illicit doings behind secret hidden doors. Yeah, so you're an angel on the streets, but a freak behind closed doors. <laughs> that's what they say. That's what the say. That's how the saying goes. Uh-huh. They have it on T-shirts and stuff. Yeah, I've seen. I've seen those. People have it tattooed on their ribs. Mm, yeah, I've seen a few on foreheads because it's like a really <laughs> important. Important Just connecting motto. a unibrow. <laughs> <laughs> if uh, I ever get a tattoo, it's going to be a unibrow. Oh, Corinne, please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> that way I can marry Post Malone because we'll both have regrettable tattoos. Oh, yeah. Or you could just f- permanently dress up as Helga from what's that show? Yes. Been there, done that. Oh, yeah. That was a good costume. I did the unibrow. It looked decent. You could pull it off. If anyone could, it's you. Thank you. Okay. So... Naturally, Auti and Thomas, they're as thick as thieves, literally, and they became each other's partners in crime and started partnering up and doing their bad, bad boy stuff together. And so with any illicit business dealings, there's bound to be some conflicts such as like who's the boss or like how much money do we make or, you know, who do we work with and then like what if this person throws me under the bus and like like you know you kind of have to protect yourself especially if you're doing illegal businesses it's like come on something bad's gonna happen right Mm -hmm. so something ruffled their feathers and then thomas and daniel got into like a massive tiff which apparently was common they would be found fighting a lot and elizabeth was like oh that's just my husband and my dad um that's an odd relationship for you know stepson stepfather yeah 
or father-in-law sorry i was like step i was like who's stepmother father-in-law son-in-law yeah that's why you don't do business with family because it's it gets tricky um and so yeah so there's this one night something something happened we don't know what the argument was about but something ruffled their feathers and basically a conversation ends in like a huge huff and thomas storms off he goes back to his inn and then he starts drinking and he's like hanging out in his favorite chair and he's just sitting there and then he finds daniel and daniel walks in and is like threatening him and he's like i don't know what exactly he's saying because i wasn't there but he's basically like i'm going to take elizabeth away from you threatening him like saying like you're blah blah blah. like if you don't do this for me i'm going to take elizabeth away from you and you'll never see your wife again you'll never see my daughter again and then he has the audacity Daniel does. Daniel Ati has the audacity to put his damn butt in Thomas Busby's favorite chair. <laughs> How dare Daniel? I like it. How dare That's he do a power move. such a horrendous display of disrespect and sit in his favorite <laughs> chair. Corinne, his favorite chair. Oh, not the favorite chair. It's bad. Daniel, that's bad. Don't is do that. Is it just like a plain wooden chair? Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah, get a different favorite. That's Get a lazy boy or something. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they had lazy boys in the 1600s, but I think Thomas just need to get a new favorite something or other. The, I know. If you're that attached to a plain wooden chair... If you're that attached to, like, basically any... Material object. Yeah, inanimate object. It doesn't object. have sentimental value. Yeah, yeah. It'd be different if it was, like, your grandmother's chair or, like, and, and your maybe, dad. Maybe it was, but um, whatever it is, Thomas snapped. He was like, how dare he? And he grabs Daniel by the arm and, like, forcibly throws him out of the chair and throws him to the ground and is like, get the freaking frack out of this place you i can't i don't know you see i can't even be mean in telling a story um (laughs) you lint liquor (laughs) and so daniel leaves and the argument clearly went unresolved and uh i think lesson of the story is don't go to bed angry that's what they say in therapy and um they did well they start to and so Thomas gets in bed and he's tossing and turning. He's his eyes are still open. He can't really fall asleep. And he's like, F sleep, F Daniel. He sat in my effing chair. And so he gets up, gets out of bed, and says, I'm not going to bed. I'm gonna take this hammer, which I is not my favorite hammer, and go to Daniel Alti's home, which is a few miles away. He arrives, finds Daniel, and then bludgeons him to death. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't know why I'm so shocked. I kind of knew it was coming. (laughs) But also, it's just such an overreaction. And I'll never not be shocked. Trust me. When someone, yeah. I I was like racking my brain of like, okay, what object in my life am I so attached to that I would, I I mean, I wouldn't even put a curse on someone, let alone who would I like. I I, There's nothing in my life that is so valuable that I... I think I could only kill if it was, like, in defense of yeah. myself or, like, a loved one. And even then, I think that's that, that has to be so traumatic for someone 
who isn't a psychopath or a sociopath, you know, like someone who like has empathy and feelings. Even though you did it to protect someone, I think taking another life would be so traumatic for someone. Right. Unless you yourself, which is, I guess, a result of trauma, you make your mind not associate that person as like an actual person. You dehumanize them to protect yourself from those negative feelings. My therapist was telling me about this uh, method. I can't remember what it's called, but they put these things on your head and they rewire your brain. And it's, they use it for a lot of people who have gone through trauma. And I was like, that sounds terrifying. The idea, like, there are, like, things and ways to do it so that you don't I'm conf- v- yeah. view trauma anymore. It just, it scares me. I'm sure That's there's interesting. something great to it, but I would me. love to read the science behind it. Yeah, that. I'll find out what it's called again. So he bludgeons Daniel to death, and then he goes and takes his body out into the woods and buries him. And he was like okay we're good no one's gonna go looking for him Mm -hmm. right because that's the logical thing when someone goes missing no one goes looking right he was wrong because quickly (laughs) people got concerned and also think about it like daniel Atu was like the guy for fake currency and like his illicit money business so like he has some some people looking for him yeah and so, usually if anyone goes missing, there's going to be someone unless they are just a hermit that their neighbors have never seen for like right, the past 10 years. Right. That's true. Yeah. But so all these people start going looking for Daniel. They know where he lives. They know he lives in this secluded area in the woods. And they're like, OK, like, let's search the woods. And very quickly, they find his body. And very quickly, they narrow down one suspect, the one person that Daniel constantly fought with, Thomas. So they go to Thomas's inn and they arrest him. Thomas is so dumb. Most murderers are. Oh my gosh. Just like do it better. Just don't do it all at all. (laughs) (laughs) Or don't do it at all. So they charge Thomas Busby with murder and Busby's like, I was provoked. Daniel provoked me. He sat in my favorite chair. I don't think he said that, but I imagine that's how he felt. (laughs) Very unstable. (laughs) I mean, obviously murder is the only solution to someone sitting in his favorite chair. Um, He was seeing red. It's like those really scary stories of people with road rage and these like otherwise normal people with families just all of a sudden go ballistic and do something horrible. Yeah. I was once in the car with my dad and my dad was beeping at a person in front of them, in front of him because this person like wasn't going when the light turned green and they got out of their car and screamed at my dad like I've never been so terrified that's really scary and I always feel bad for those people that lose their cool so quick because I'm like you're only hurting yourself in terms of putting that stress on your own body you're like taking years off of your life stress you're gonna die sooner than me Okay, so back to Thomas. So he is arrested and he's charged with murder. And then in the summer of 1702, Thomas was tried and sentenced to death at uh, York. Uh, Basically, he was sentenced to death. I don't know what the place is called because I'm not going to try. And his punishment was to be gibbeted, which is basically you're hung from a gallows. And then your body is dipped into tar. And then your remains are to be displayed on a stoop for all to see that's so weird yeah it's like a little chocolate covered banana that you just 
put in the front window for everyone to see. I, that comparison, a body in tar to a banana and chocolate. That's what I pictured. Wow. That I it was too scarring for me that. to picture a body going into tar, so I, my brain censored it, and I saw a banana dip into a, a flowing river of chocolate and then be put on a stick and then put in the front of the little cart in the park. I love it. Don't you ever wish you could just for a second slip into someone else's mind and see what they see? I truly, yes. this moment, I really wanted to be in there. <laughs> Well, luckily for you, I say my thoughts and train of thought out loud. <laughs> but I wish I could have seen it. Okay, so yeah, so that's what he's sentenced to. And the stoop that he was to be kind of displayed upon was actually right across from the inn that he owned. So, which is basically like an F you to him. Like, look at your life. This is what you had. And now goodbye. And then like, it, yeah. But... um. So it was renamed Busby Stoop Inn, and then it was open until 2012. I'm not sure if it closed or if it was reopened since because I couldn't find anything, but I imagine because I couldn't find anything, it is closed. But it closed in 2012, maybe because it was haunted, but we'll get there. So Thomas Busby is being prepared for his last day, and he requests to relish in one last final drink in his favorite chair. And so he goes to his chair and he has like all these people like around him waiting to go kill him. And he indulges his one last final drink while sitting in his chair. And then he looks to everyone around him and he says, anyone who sits in this chair will face a certain death. And they're all like, okay, dude, time to, time to die. So they take him outside and they put him on the gallows and they kill him. He, he dies because it was his sentence and or okay well before he does that he also apparently screamed to everyone who was watching that anyone who sits in his chair will die and so everyone heard this God, this guy was nuts yeah i just like want to know what was so important about the chair but i don't think we'll ever know and so he he dies and his curse went on to make this piece of furniture a chair a wooden chair be more be responsible for more deaths than most serial killers which I thought it was a really interesting statistic about a chair, a freaking chair. A chair. That's so bizarre. Yeah. It's estimated, so like I said, about 60 people have fallen victim to the curse of Busby's So I'm assuming chair. it used to be kept out in a way for people to sit on it. So it, it was all the way until 1978. So That's when the museum finally realized, like, oh, so well, no, maybe. So it was still in... Busby's Inn. So Busby dies and the inn is quickly renamed to Busby Stoop Inn. And then there were a ton, a ton of people who like either were unaware or just sat in the chair because a lot of people were ended up being dared to sit in the chair. But then also a lot of people were just like, ah, curse, like whatever. I don't believe in this curse and would sit in the chair. And like the inn had a bar and this chair was in the pub. So it's like when you're at a bar, you don't want to sit and enjoy a cold beer. You don't want to like Maybe you stand. I don't know. But like whether there's a chair there, you're inclined to sit on it. You, that's what a chair is yeah. for. Oh, my God. What a nightmare to sit there and not realize that it's a cursed chair. Yeah. So who are these people and how did they die? 
The apparent first known victim was in 1894, which is a really long time after Busby died because he died in 1702. So like maybe there are a lot of reports that haven't been reported or like it didn't, I don't know, or maybe the chair was in a different place. I don't know what it is. But so there's this man who was a chimney sweep and he sat in the chair inside the pub and he shared a beer with his friend and they were having a good old time. But when they left, this chimney sweep never made it home. And the next morning, his body was found hanging from the post next to the gallows where Busby himself had died. And his death was ruled a suicide until 1914 when the friend that he had been at the bar with confessed on his his deathbed that he actually robbed and murdered his friend, the chimney sweep, that night as they left the bar. And then, moving forward to World War II, the Inn's pub became this popular drinking spot for all the Royal Air Force pilots until, like, the base must have been closed and they would go to Busby's Stoop Inn for a beer. And people began to notice that the men who sat in the chair never came home from war and they started to call it the hot seat. So in 1968, there were two pilots that sat in it and because they were, like, daring each other, like, oh, man, like, sit in the chair. And they both ended up sitting in it. And the two of them were driving back to the base that night and they ca- crashed into a tree and died. Mm. Um, also, don't dare anyone. Like, I know. When it's something like that, it's like the Bloody Mary thing. I know everyone does it. but Right. Or don't feel obligated to participate in the dare. Yeah. Everyone will forget by the next day. Peer pressure is not worth dying for. No. Even if it seems as benign as a chair. I know. It's not, not worth the risk. So a few years later, a bricklayer decided to sit in the infamous chair, and that same afternoon, he fell to his death while at work. Uh, Some of the other instances include a cleaning woman stumbled into the chair while she was mopping, and a few days later was diagnosed with a brain tumor that she died from. And then there are numerous motorcyclists who would stop through, and they'd sit in the chair, and that same day later on driving on their motorcycles, would die in fatal accidents. A hitchhiker was run over after spending two nights at the inn and had sat in the chair while he was staying there. A local man died of a heart attack shortly after sitting in the chair. And basically, like, all of these deaths were happening. And it was just, like, constantly someone who sat in the chair was dying. And the final straw was when a group of builders went into the pub and they dared the youngest, newest crew member, like, to sit in the chair as if it was, you know, like, you, this is you earning your your stripes, essentially. Like, sit in the chair and then you'll be one of us. Hazing. It's bad. Don't do it. And so feeling obligated to give in to peer pressure, this young roofer sits in the chair and they go back to work and the roof caved in in a freak accident, killing him and only him. Oh, wow. This is like Final Destination. Seriously. Oh, that movie scares me. I think there's something about that movie that like I know what the the statistics of like something falling off a truck while you're driving and skewering you is very unlikely, but I just – it sticks in my head anytime I'm doing something, like especially driving. Well, it's funny because – so I'm very afraid of sharks and Marissa used to – like say that I was being unreasonable (laughs) and she said that she was giggling the other day because she was reading some statistics and it said 
you're more likely to have a refrigerator fall on you than to be attacked by a shark. Wow. And in college, our refrigerator fell on me. No way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How? They There was like a leak. And so the workers had come and they had unmounted it from the wall. And I opened up the doors and it was a massive, massive Viking fridge. And oh. um, it just My God. fell on me. But I'm a very strong and sturdy little person. Yes, you and are. And so I held it up. I was like in oh. a squat and I just started screaming and they all came running <laughs> and helped get the fridge off of me. <laughs> oh, my God. I was that was probably karma. That was the universe saying you don't need to make a seventh stop to the fridge. It's only noon. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is so funny. Yeah. I survived that. I'll probably survive a shark attack. Yes, you will. I will survive. Okay. So basically this guy dies and the owner of the bar at that time, his name is Tony Earnshaw, was like, "There, this chair is bad news bears. I am sick and tired of hearing people of people who have come into this establishment and then gone home and died or like headed home and died. Like that's just – Bad PR. Also, it's clearly this chair. The curse is real. I am not letting anyone else sit in it. I'm going to put it in the basement cellar and prevent anyone else from suffering from Thomas Busby's curse. Mm -hmm. And so he puts it in the cellar. But one day, the delivery man comes in through the basement because that's where all like, the deliveries go. And he's unloading his truck and he's stacking the boxes. And he's like, oh, gosh, I'm so tired. And so he takes a seat in a chair, which is sitting in the cellar, which happens to be Busby's chair. And Tony Earnshaw comes downstairs to, like, check on the guy and sees the delivery man sitting in the chair and is shocked. Like, what do I do? What do I say? How? Like, I can't break the news to this guy that he's going to die. Like, that's crazy. You can't just say that to someone. They're going to, like, think I'm nuts. And so right. – the delivery man looks at him and is like, you okay, dude? And he's like, oh, by the way, this chair is so comfortable. It the, it should not be in the cellar. This is such a comfortable chair. It needs to go upstairs. And Earnshaw's like, ha, yeah, no. And that night, the delivery man veered off the road and died. Oh, my God. So in 1978, after all of these things happened, Earnshaw was like, absolutely not. I'm done with this chair I can't be responsible for it any longer. And so he donated it to Thirsk Museum and warned them to not allow anyone to sit in the chair. And so the chair has been elevated far off the ground away from any derriere that desires a seat. I wonder how they found out. Like, how did the bar or inn owner mm -hmm. make all of the connections to the people sitting and then having these awful fates? I wonder who was in charge of tracking that. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure the curse was like a legend that had never, like everyone who lived in that area or had gone to the bar probably knew of. But I mm -hmm. imagine if people start dying in such a drastic way that it sounds like this is, it's only natural that you would try to start piecing it together. Like this is a weird coincidence this is a weird pattern in the world like what's the similarity what's happening like because you try to piece those things together you want to find patterns yeah. and so maybe True. that's how i don't know but so there's all this debate because current or recently someone in 2012 i think said 
like had examined the chair in the Thirsk Museum and said that there's no way it could have existed in the 1600s based on the way it was made and carved and that it must have the like the origin of the chair was actually 134 years after Busby died so like maybe that guy was wrong that's one one opinion I think you need at least six in order to say it's true to verify. The devil's number. Mm-hmm. 666 opinions until I believe something to be true. And <laughs> or like maybe Earnshaw got rid of the chair or he burnt it or hid it somewhere and just gave the museum a different one to try to like appease people who were like, where's the chair, man? Mm-hmm. Or maybe that chair is actually somewhere else in the world and you might end up sitting in it without knowing. Be careful when you go to the flea market this weekend. Don't sit anywhere is the answer. You'll have a much perkier butt. <laughs> so that's the curse. But then also the inn and pub itself was also haunted by Busby's ghost. And so a lot of people would see a man that was tall and terrifying and apparently had zero face. So he was a faceless man who would wander the upstairs landing and lean over and like look at people and then disappear through the walls And everyone who encountered it said that they were filled with dread and despair. And there's a story of this, like, group of friends went to Busby Inn when it was open. And immediately they all kind of, like, got a weird feeling. But they're like, oh, like, it's nothing. Like, I don't believe in ghosts. And just, like, continued drinking. And then all of a sudden one of their friends got, like, overtaken by some entity. And just his entire mannerisms changed. He became really mean. And then he started yelling at this guy's girlfriend and like getting physical. And they're all like, whoa, like what's happening? And they had to take him out. And as they were taking him out, they passed by a mirror. And this guy's reflection in the mirror looked like a different person. Oh my gosh. But now <laughs> apparently Busby's Stoop Inn is closed and so we might not be able to see his spirit maybe. Although I wonder if the building is there still there and then so if people walk by you see a man walking back and forth and it's Busby. Oh my gosh, that's so scary. And if not, you can go to the Thirsk Museum and visit the chair itself. But just don't put your butt in it or you will die. They have it hanging, though, to prevent you, right? That's true. Although I looked at a picture of the way it's, like, up there, and I, I'm, sh- it's a really small museum, so I'm sure there are plenty of people monitoring. But for people who are reckless and dangerous, it's, like, there's, like, kind of, like, a shelf, and it's, like, on the top of it. I'm sure people could, like, climb up. And I wonder if even, like, you, like, do you have to put your butt in it, or do you have to just touch it? Like, what's the protocol for the curse? I don't know. Well, yeah, because if if that cleaner stumbled into the chair that one day Mm -hmm. and then got sick or got the brain tumor then it sounds like she just touched it yeah or maybe a certain amount of weight needs to be applied i don't know what are the rules i think the number one rule don't sit in it that's a great rule you can't sit with us you can't sit with us (laughs) and also what an awful way to spend your afterlife just waiting for someone to sit in your chair I just need to know why it was so important to him. like, Because, Sabrina, he was a time traveler <laughs> and he traveled 150 years into the future, grabbed this chair from the future, brought it back with him, most comfortable chair of the time. And then mm. s- these stupid peasants that don't know how to, anything about time travel or how to do it <laughs> are trying to sit their own stupid little pancake butts in his chair. I feel his anger. 
Wow. Maybe you are him reincarnated. <laughs> I would not kill people, though. Thank you. I'm very happy to hear that. I take earthworms out of the driveway before I drive into it oh. after a rainy day. Do you really? I definitely, yes. Oh, Corinne, that is so wonderful. Nice of you. My mom was very annoyed by it when I was growing up, but now she thinks it's a good quality. Does that take a really long time? I remember when it would rain, there were so many worms on my driveway. Well, yeah, but you just grab them real quick and you... I mean, you don't have to, like, gently place them. I just fling them into the grass. <laughs> Slingshot. Boom. Boom. Wow. Get them out of the little puddles while they're drowning. Very kind of you. Yes. The world goes round. Earthworms help the soil. The birds eat the, eat the worms. The birds eat the other seeds, and then they go poop. You know, things happen. I don't know. Planets, Earth. We're really good at science. I, I think <laughs> that is the evolution and life what's it word what's the word it's the circle of life there we go (laughs) the word the one word circle of life (laughs) also on netflix will smith narrates it it's called like one strange rock or something like that Mm. it has been blowing my mind everyone should watch it it is about how like literally everything on the planet is connected like what happens in the rainforest is connected to what's happening in another country which is connected connected to the other side of the world it's like it's insane okay i'm gonna have to watch that i love that stuff it's so good okay just be because of that ad is it weird that anytime i go to the bathroom lay goes to the bathroom too that's so interesting we're synced up you are synced up that's so interesting like any people don't have that happen well because you have to take them to go you can, it would be weird if you went at the same time <laughs> we just make steady eye contact as we just both pee and the human would have to go outside yeah that's true that's true <laughs> <laughs> so your cat litter is in the bathroom or so or she just leia sees you go to the bathroom and then she's like oh it's my time too yeah she sees me walking towards the bathroom and then she so her her litter box is in the closet right outside of our like bathroom room and so she jumps up into it as i like go and take a nice seat on a not cursed toilet seat there aren't uh as many deaths in mine okay that's good as is and was in yours yes this is the curse of bodhi Bodhi is not, well, I was going to say not a human, but also sort of a human. But when I say the curse of Bodhi, it's the curse of the town called Bodhi. It's a ghost town in California. It is east of Yosemite, south of Lake Tahoe, and north of Mono Lake, if people know that area. Interesting. The nearest town to Bodhi is over 15 miles away. And you can take the highway to Bodhi part of the way, but then it turns into unpaved dirt roads very very ghost town esque, and then also if you do want to go visit it you should probably go when the weather's nicer because of those unpaved dirt roads they often uh, close down when it's snowy Mm. and icy dangerous dangerous which only adds to the spookiness Bodie, california used to be a pop and gold mining town in 1849 it was discovered and people from all over the world flooded into this town for search of gold, which you and I did an episode already on the Wow Wow West ghosts, and uh, so we learned from that episode that just these towns would be overpopulated with people because people would just be flooding in trying to strike gold. And in this case, 
four men actually did strike what? gold in the eastern foothills. Lucky men. Lucky, lucky men. Lucky men. Why wasn't it us, Sabrina? It might have been. Why didn't we go to Superstition Mountain and I know. go past those little... We still can. Crin- miniature people. Decapitate people. It's still there. We could go. We could go get... I'll never go I there. know I won't, but uh, we can... Even if you dare me, I won't. Let's go find our own uncharted territory and dig for gold. Okay. Meet me in... Um, I don't know. Where's where's gold at? I don't know. Is it all found? <laughs> <laughs> Is there none left? <laughs> Too late. We're too late. We're too late. We're a decade too late. I mean, a century. Wow. My brain. What did you say? I said a decade. That's 10 years. I meant a century. Mm. Well, maybe. Well, at this point, we're like two centuries. Maybe someone discovered gold 10 years ago, and we can just say that's the truth. Yeah. People do it. (laughs) They have those little pan sifter things in the mines. I used to do that as a kid. Yeah, it was fun. Mm. Good times. Great times. But these guys, they got real lucky. These four men... They struck gold and they promised one another that they'd keep their spot secret and they would share the wealth with each other. So it sounds pretty great. Mm -hmm. But W.S. Bodie, one of the four guys who struck gold, he broke his promise. And a few months after finding the gold, he brought a half Cherokee man named Black Taylor to the spot. And it was just him and Black Taylor and they were looking at the spot, like, here's the gold, help yourself, which is like, thanks, Bodie, but also, screw you, Bodie, because right. the other guys. You made a deal. Um, you made a deal. Don't break promise. Uh, so they're out there. It's, like, uh, not very close to the actual town. Like, they kind of trekked into the mountains. And while they were on this journey, a blizzard came through. And unfortunately, Bodie did not make it. He died due to exposure, but Black Taylor did live, so at least... And due to karma, maybe? Perhaps, perhaps, although it's kind of one of those, like, back and forth. It's like, yeah, he shouldn't have broken his promise, but also he just helped out this... That's true. ...other guy. He was helpful. He shared his wealth, but, uh, yeah, he wasn't really supposed to. Yeah. It's hard. This is why you you just don't keep secrets from anyone, because secrets end up to end up in bad ways wow you should get that tattooed that whole little sentence that you just my misspoken sentence i love it we'll just have matching unibrow tattoos but they say different things oh it's the tiniest little writing Uh so from far away it looks like a unibrow but when you get up close it's like actually this deep paragraph of (laughs) advice life advice it's actually a reading test like one when you go to the eye doctor can you read this (laughs) i love that it's actually the the letter from jersey shore (laughs) okay so bodhi passes away in the blizzard Mm -hmm. and as if his bad luck was not bad enough the town was named after him which is like hooray but Hmm. the sign painter misspelled his name on the sign and his original name is spelled B-O-D-E-Y, but the sign painter spelled it B-O-D-I-E. Mm. And it just kind of stuck. So people kept the town misspelled. Oh. So eternally, this guy's name spelled incorrectly, which would drive me nuts. Yes. I get that. Okay. So pretty cool that the t- town is named after him. Uh, the town did bring a lot of wealth to people. 
And in 1876, a whole large amount of gold was discovered, making a bunch of people rich. And then also like businesses rich that were coming Mm -hmm. in to to hire people for the gold. And then two years after that, a million dollars worth of gold was found again. And then in Google, I said, what is a million dollars in today's money back in 1878? Mm -hmm. And it told me 24 million. I can't even fathom that amount amount of money like it that kind of money like do you remember when you played uh, Monopoly as a kid and you're like I have a million dollars like when you hear a million I just think of Monopoly like it's not real no one has that much money I'm so good at Monopoly yeah it's a long game yeah if only Monopoly made the actual I think it's a real thing I don't think it was a joke I mean it's a joke but what the Monopoly for millennials where you can only rent and you basically go broke oh that's funny (laughs) <laughs> I should get that one. See how good I am at that. Oh, yeah. We're all going broke. We all are. Um, okay, so a bunch of people get rich off this town because of the gold. But at the same time, so many people did not. The town was super overpopulated. There were a ton of shops, some gambling houses. There were a bunch of sex workers that came in. A bunch of just very dangerous, desperate men who were gunslinging and drunk and always gambling and mm-hmm. g- gunfights were very common it was pretty commonplace to cure which is what we talked about in our ghost town right episode exactly. because it's there was no rule of law it was kind of like the gun is law exactly yep and that's how it went it was a dangerous place to be and at the time there was actually a phrase that came out of this town the phrase was bad man from Bodie," which was used to describe you know, questionable people, Mm. the bad man from Bodhi. Um, So Bodhi was known as like having some of the worst of the worst. Yikes. There were over 10,000 people, to give you a little idea, 10,000 people, around 600 to 800 shops, 60 saloons, and within five years of the first big gold find, hundreds of residents actually died from exposure and mining accidents and disease, etc. So it's just like, Super, super, super overpopulated. And then all of a sudden, like, everything started happening and people started, you know, passing away because too much was going on. Right. And in 1892, a really bad fire hit the town. People began to leave the town. The railway was shut down within a couple decades of then. And then in 1932, another fire hit. Oh, my gosh. And it pretty much destroyed the whole town. It reminds me. Okay. Did you see the movie Mother? It was really weird. But basically... The whole movie, it's Jennifer Lawrence and like... Oh, yes. The comment, yes, I did see it. The commentary is about like the way we treat Earth and Mother Earth. And it's just interesting to me that this ghost town is, I think, a perfect example of the way that humans find a place... Destroy it. Just use it to... And like whittle it to its bare bones and then just... just once it's like destroyed, they up and leave and find a new place. Yeah. Well, humans are, by definition, a parasite. Yeah. We come in, we take over, we feed off of our site or our host, and then we move on. Ruin it and dip out. Yeah. Here we are. Thank you, Mother Earth. Okay. So in the 1950s, it's eventually a ghost town because all of this famine and disease and fires and everything, people just like left. Um, And the people who left the town didn't really have much help because the nearest city was like, well, now the nearest city is 15 miles away. But I'm assuming back then it was even further. And it's not like 
there are moving companies readily available back in right. 1950 in the middle of nowhere, California. Yeah. So people just kind of packed up what they could and left, which means a bunch of buildings still have people's original belongings in them. Even now? Which is, yes. Oh, yes. I like that. Hands down, the most fascinating thing in the world. I would love to see it and walk through it and picture people's lives. That's like my favorite thing when people post on our Facebook page pictures of aban- abandoned places, like and specifically mm-hmm. abandoned homes. And just seeing the furniture still in this like decaying building is so fascinating to me. So fascinating. In 1962, Bodie became a state historic park. And two years after that, it was labeled a California historic site and also a national historic site. And on the premise today, there are about 168 buildings, a cemetery, and a curse. Oh. Because according to local legend, the spirits who reside in Bodie want to ensure that all of their belongings and their town stays exactly as is and that no one touches it. And anyone who attempts to take something away from the town will be cursed (gasps) with bad luck. Oh. And the bad luck will continue forever or until they return their stolen item to Bodie. It's like when people touch Robert the doll. Yep. Or take pictures. You have to ask mm-hmm. permission. Here, I don't think you get permission. I think it's just a, a, fl- a straight up no. Uh, Brad Sturdivant, he is a park ranger there. And he said that they frequently get unmarked boxes sent to the park containing items that were taken like a rusty nail or something else small but they don't know where it was so it just sits in like the town hall right so. but it's back but anyway so people will send back these items often unmarked and sometimes well actually it's like about once a week they said they get a letter from a visitor apologizing and begging for no more bad luck um wow the earliest letter was sent in 1992 and it says Life since then has been a steady downward slide. It's possible that all the unpleasant events of the past nine months are a coincidence, but just in case the Bodhi curse is real, I am returning the nail. (laughs) And another letter writes, Dear Bodhi, I'm sorry I took this piece of metal from the town. I thought it was all a joke, but it wasn't at all. Oh my god. Things are happening that are very hard to explain. What's happening? Do you know what happened to people? Yeah, I'll tell you a few examples in a minute. Okay. This was before it was a, a, a national park. Mm. But bef- before it was a national park, someone actually stole a piano, uh, which is a large item. That's a large item. Yeah, someone else came like in contact with the piano and figured out its history and then returned it. But some people even address their letters to the spirits or will instruct the park rangers to please tell the spirits and send along their sincerest regrets and apologies wow. to the ghosts. <laughs> there are a few better known incidents of the ca- of the curse taking place. So, I mean, the fact that they get boxes and letters weekly means that there are a ton, a ton, ton of people that are experiencing things. Mm-hmm. But these are the ones that are either like written about or are most well-known either from the letters or from interviews, etc. Okay, one event happened to a family who visited in 1972. They had two daughters. The daughters were young, and at the time, they, when they were walking past one of the houses, they saw a little bit of money near a bed, and they were like, oh, let's grab a stick and reach into the house and grab the money and pull it out. So they did that. And they brought the money home. And then not long after, the family was plagued with financial troubles and ended up having to sell their home. 
So it was like what happened to them was directly linked to what they stole. Well, especially in that case, like if you steal money, you're likely to use said money, which means that the possibility of returning it is unlikely. Well, it was also probably money from a century before, so I'm not sure if that's still good. But I'm sure you could get money for it, you know? If Oh, yeah, yeah. It's probably worth way more money yeah. than it actually like is meant for. Yeah. yeah. Perhaps they should have sold it and then they would have been able to keep their house. Mm. But this string of bad luck is not uncommon. A lot of people have this when they steal something. And in 1994, a visitor grabbed a couple of items from Bodhi to take home with him. But that next year, he suddenly had a ton of bad luck. He was a bad luck magnet. Wow. He got in a car accident. He was sick for like the entire year, which is kind of like me right now. But I didn't <laughs> take anything. I don't think I took anything. I haven't been to Bodhi. Huh, I'm confused. What if I actual projected? Well, this is what's scary know. is like there are so many curses and so many things out there that I feel like you might not know about it until after the fact when you're starting right. to... I might have sneezed in the wrong direction and yeah. hit some sacred stone. Yeah. Or maybe it was that woman. <gasps> what if it was the woman chasing you in the park? It wasn't in the park. She chased me from the train. Okay, that's even worse. I just told Jill about it today and she was like, why didn't you tell me about that? <laughs> I was like, because because it was I was sick. I didn't really have a voice. But yeah, it was scary. Really I scary. still think about her all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I bet she talks about you all the time too. The one I didn't get. I never thought I'd be so scared of an 80-pound-year-old woman. <laughs> it sounds horrifying. Yeah. I think that's what was so scary was she was so tiny. <laughs> Made it worse. Um, but yeah, so he was sick the entire year. He lost his job. He got in a car accident. And eventually he's like, I don't know what to do. And so he went to a psychic. And the psychic was like, you stole something and you need to return it. And so he was like, shit, I stole that stuff from Bodie. Oh. And so he returned it and his luck returned. Wow. Another better known incident is that of the cursed bottle. There was a German man who came on holiday on vacation Mm -hmm. to Bodie and he took a liking to this one bottle that he found on the property. He thought it was pretty cool. So he took it, removed it from its final resting place and he brought it back to Germany with him. And almost immediately he got in a car accident on the Autobahn, Mm -mm. which... I mean, I don't know if anyone here, anyone here, anyone sitting with me <laughs> right now, all you spirits and listeners, I don't know if anyone's been to Germany, been on the Autobahn or seen the Autobahn, but I don't think there's a speed limit. I'm pretty certain there's no speed limit. It is like the scariest road ever. So whether yeah. it was an accident because it's like a dangerous place to drive or whether it had to do with Bodhi unsure but perhaps it really was about the bottle he stole from Bodhi because his son the next day took the bottle with him to school because he wanted to show it show it off to his classmates mm-hmm. and then on the way home with the bottle in his bag he got in a biking accident oh no and then in the early there are just so many stories but I'm just going to tell you one more okay In the early 2000s, there were two teen girls who collected rocks from Bodhi. They fashioned them into necklaces. They were pretty crafty. I think that kind of sounds cool. Mm -hmm. But maybe they should have not grabbed rocks (laughs) from that particular place because bad luck began. They suffered injuries. I think one of them sprained their ankle. 
and earthquake hit their hometown. What? And the rocks would actually create rashes on any of the body parts in which they touched. Oh my gosh. The earthquake thing yeah. is so fascinating because it's like earthquake is it's from the ground. And so they took rock, which makes me think of like, is there certain objects that are aligned with certain accidents and curses that will then happen to you? Perhaps because like the money and the financial problems and then the mm -hmm. rocks and the earthquake. But Okay, so you could actually go to Bodhi and they have a museum and gift shop and you can see the letters for yourself. Ugh. The rangers have placed a bunch of the letters into a photo album for everyone to see. Cool. So I think we should go. Let's go. And also, Google Maps is like my best friend ever. And I went all over the town and it's just actually pretty hilarious because you just see other people like visiting the town, just <laughs> peeking every every Google image, Google Maps image or still is of people peeking into windows. That's so funny. I'm looking at pictures right now and it's so interesting. I wonder if they manipulated any of it because like there's a picture of the schoolhouse and there's literally chalk on the chalkboard and it says today is and then it has like a like the homework assignment and then there are textbooks laid out like so perfectly on the desks. I don't know. I really don't know. It's so interesting. I don't think so because I mean, maybe maybe there was certain staging for certain right. for certain buildings. Like I know the town hall, they move stuff mm -hmm. in and out of. But I think pretty much the homes and possibly like the hotels and stuff are as That's is so because the whole thing is the rangers want things to be just as they were. Right. So I don't think they try to move things that much. It just like but perhaps there's something about the way the photos are. It's like I know people left on purpose, but like it almost looks like. They ran out of their homes and didn't come back. Yeah. Well, I almost ran out of Google Maps because <laughs> when I was walking around, virtually walking through the town, I went up to this house and I looked in the window and there was, it looked like a little skull face looking out the window. And I was like, oh my God, don't haunt me. I'm so sorry I found you. Did you take a screenshot? No, because I realized that it was just a decorative wooden arm of a chair. Oh, but it just looked gotcha. skull-like from far enough away. Um, okay, so let's take a look at some of the spirits who protect the town of Bodhi. Please tell me. There is one spirit. It is of a Chinese woman who is seen in the J.S. Kane house, presumably where she worked as a maid, because rumor has it James Kane, who was one of the men who had actually helped build up the town. I think he owned a lumber business. He was supposedly having an affair with this maid. And the townspeople found out, and the gossip started to spread like wildfire. So James's Whoa. solution was to fire mm -hmm. the maid. And when he did, mm -hmm. she took her own life. And people who have seen her report that she report that she seems to like children, and she often appears to children. But other people see her too. Um, one of the rangers' wives had an experience and gave a report on what she felt that day. So I'm going to read you what she said. She said, I was lying in bed with my husband in the lower bedroom, and I felt a pressure on me, as though someone was on top of me. I began fighting. I fought so hard I ended up on the floor. It really <sighs> frightened me. Another ranger who had lived there, Gary Walters, had the same experience in the same room, except that he also saw the door open and he felt a presence mm -mm. and a kind of suffocation. That's really scary. Yep. And not how you want to go to sleep at all. No, no, no. And you're already living in a ghost town. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's scary. It's like lighthouse keepers. Mm -hmm. The isolation. 
There have also been some cold spots felt in the Kane residence, and the doors open and close on their own, and many of the park rangers refuse to stay in the house or go near it because they feel as though that they're losing their minds when they're inside, which perhaps that's how the maid felt when her whole town Mm. and her lover slash boss turned against her. Right. People have also seen a woman peeking out of the upstairs window of the DeChambeau house, DeChambeau. Perhaps she is watching over the children who can be heard laughing outside of the Mendocini house, which kind of sounds creepy. But at the same time, I would love to spend my afterlife at the Mendocini house out of all of the places on this property because... Tell me why. People not only hear children's laughter, but they hear sounds of a party and they smell amazing home-cooked Italian food. Oh my gosh. I know. (laughs) Again, you're making me hungry, but that's cool. Hell yeah. Sounds amazing. There's also a cemetery in this town, which I mentioned at the beginning of this, and Mm -hmm. there have been some experiences in there. There was or there is thought to be the spirit of a young child named Evelyn, who was just three years old when she was killed in an awful accident involving a minor's pick. Um, No. Yeah. I think she got impaled. But Evelyn has been nicknamed the Angel of Bodhi, as her grave includes this white, I'm not sure if it's on her grave or near her grave, but it's this white marble baby angel. So she's the Angel of Bodhi. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I wonder which one or if it was a collective ghost like effort to put the curse on the town and all the objects. I don't know, but I'll get to someone's theory in a minute on what okay. exactly it is. But so in this cemetery, one man was visiting Bodhi and was walking around and he had his young daughter with him and he witnessed something odd. He saw his daughter giggling and playing with someone who he could not see so he thinks perhaps it was the angel of Bodhi Evelyn who was just like a young little kid hanging out in the cemetery wow I feel like those stories they're off-putting but also like kind of sweet Mm -hmm. I know I know because it's still anything is just a little bit creepy you know yeah there's no experience that's not just in the slightest creepy whether it's Mm -hmm. because you feel creeped out or because it's just something that's so out of the ordinary. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's also ghostly music that's heard drifting through the town. So I feel like it's kind of a party. Yeah, because I mean, like, they all stayed there. So they're all enjoying their time together and probably hosting gatherings on another plane. Right, right. Yeah, I like it. Eating Italian food. God, I'm so hungry. I want carbs <laughs> again. Screw this freaking meal plan. Uh <laughs> So, yeah, there's no doubt that Bodhi is haunted. That's that we know. But Mm -hmm. there are some like some people very strongly believe that the curse of Bodhi is real. Other people are like, oh, the park rangers made it up to make people like not steal the property, et cetera, et cetera. But there are just so many stories and so many cases of people seemingly and very suddenly having a bad luck because it's one thing if you know you're looking to assign meaning to things but it's another thing if like suddenly you have an awful awful year and it's perhaps very much connected to what you stole so and if you have enough letters to make a photo album of people who are like i'm sorry i did this this object i took caused bad luck like that's yeah that's meaningful and that's just who writes letters there are plenty of unmarked boxes that get delivered 
Mm-hmm. But our boy, Ed Warren, demonologist and paranormal oh, superstar. Love him. He theorized about what could possibly be the cause of this curse. Okay. Kind of like what you were asking, Sabrina. Mm-hmm. He said that he thought perhaps it was actually the town's history because thousands of people came into this town. Thousands of people were desperate to get rich, but very few found anything except for d- danger and disease and bad luck generally bad luck and as a result this town has created its own sort of curse from all the bad energy absorbed by its once residents and ed said that this bad energy may have created a sort of spiritual vibration which attracts not only spirits but also bad luck whoa that's so fascinating to think that enough energy so like it's like an accidental curse created purely by the fact that bad energy is in that space. Yes. Yes. So interesting. That's so cool. And, like and weird. A lot of bad luck for its own residents. It just follows yeah. people. Wow. I can't begin to even understand the world. So this is very interesting. <laughs> um, so if you wow. want to go to Bodhi, you can. Tickets are $10 to enter or less than $10. I think all the tickets are under $10 for like children, adults, etc. Um, like I said before, probably go during the warmer months because a lot of times the roads do close due to snowstorms. Uh, and if you do go, please, here's my little message from the park rangers. Please do not pick up anything or take anything from the site. It creates extra work for the staff and you'll eventually have to mail it back (laughs) because everything is haunted and also, apparently, everything that's shipped back to them is considered stolen property, and they have to fill out a police report. So it's like a lot of paperwork, and you're killing trees. Okay, I have a question. Yes. I know you're not going to be able to answer this, because, but this is a hypothetical, put it out into the world. So what if you are wearing sneakers, and you're walking around this ghost town, and you know how, like, rocks get stuck in the bottom of your shoe? Mm-hmm. Like on this in the sole on the bottom. Like, what if a rock gets stuck and you accidentally take a part of the town with you? I'm sure that's fine. I'm sure it's more about the intention behind your right thieving. And the other thing is, like, they're less concerned about like the actual like at least the park rangers. They're less concerned about like the little tiny like rocks that would get stuck in your shoe, and much more concerned about the other artifacts that are actually found because right. they were like, you know, people left things behind normal residents did of that day but then there also might be some native american artifacts mixed in and when items are taken and then returned the park rangers don't know where they came from or know their backstory so they just put them into a box and then it's either kept in the box for the rest of its life or it's put in the town hall where a lot of the returned items are just like generally stored so the people who come after you won't be able to quite experience Bodhi the same way that you did if you take something from it and also we might not know like there could be some really really cool discovery of something but we don't know the backstory it's like I have it I have a theory okay okay so there were so many people who have lived in this town there are so many spirits that are in this town they're clearly having parties all the time what if every single person who goes to Bodhi has an assigned ghost and this ghost is assigned to each human and follows them around as they go through the town and ensures that they do not pick up any object or take any object and if you do that ghost is then assigned to follow said person and implement the curse until they send it back oh my gosh perhaps and maybe that's why 
I feel like some people don't really get like there have been some people that are like, oh, the curse isn't real. I took things from Bodhi and nothing happened to me. But maybe the ghost came back and was like, oh, I just really like them. I like the way they live. I like the way they act. Mm. Perhaps it was just one bad mistake. I'll let them. I'll let this one slide. That's a nice ghost. Yeah. But it kind of sounds like these ghosts don't don't really care about people. It's like, hey, you stole from me and I'm going to. And then they go once it's taken once it's returned, they go back to Bodhi, and then they the town throws a party for their return. Uh, you know they made a movie about this. It's called um, Monsters Inc. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Each person is assigned a monster. Pretty much, or each monster is assigned people. Yeah. And then sometimes they fall in love with their human. Yeah. Boo. 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 So cute. Okay, I've been waiting to read this ghost story. For so long. Okay, this is from Maria. She says, hi again. Now here's the witchcraft full story. It's kind of long, lots of context needed for dramatic purposes. As you may imagine by now, stereo- stereotypes aside, I am Latina. I am from Buenos Aires, Argentina, and at least in my country, white magic is more common than black magic. Good. I have myself done some white magic to shelter myself from bad vibes, and people here usually rely on positive Christian saints rather than dark energy. But that doesn't mean some other people don't use black magic to harm or tie up someone romantically. My uncle Eduardo's life is hard. Growing up, my grandparents didn't have the most healthy relationship and their upbringing was okay until my grandma was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Her psychologist didn't find it necessary to send her send her to a psychiatrist so she could get proper help. I don't know much because my mom didn't want to go into too much detail All I know is that she was diagnosed and that explained a lot about her behavior and does until today. And their relationship had always been difficult and volatile. They were constantly verging on poverty due to bad decisions, and my mom, uncle, and aunt got the worst part because they were kids. Unlike my uncle, my mother and my aunt found role models outside of their family and managed to make their own beautiful family and achieve everything they wanted. My cousins and I are really close. We're almost like siblings, and even though most of them live in different countries, we try to keep in touch now that there are babies on the way, and we want to be as present as we possibly can to support each other after my mother's passing. While my mom and aunt managed to build their own life and work hard for what they wanted, my uncle went down a completely different path. Surrounding himself with abusive friends and shady people and just following my grandparents' steps... He's a good man, don't get me wrong. He's very hardworking and my grandma is kind of always nagging him and telling him how useless he is and stuff. So I can tell why his friends are the way they are to him and he bonds with shady people. When he was in his 30s, he's now 50, he met this woman at a club. They liked each other, hung out and hooked up and from that moment on, they were inseparable. She was always with him all the time. If he was working, he's a freelance skills repairman. She would pop up or call him to hang out if the place was inaccessible. He found that cute. He was always willing to hang out, often visited us at home, and she was incredibly charming. She was funny and flattering and pretty and always told my mom and sister nice stuff. I don't know why she was always so cold towards me, maybe because I was a chubby kid and she hates fat people. (laughs) She became close with my grandma too to the point that whenever she and my uncle had a fight, she would call my grandma and my grandma would defend her and even say really hurtful things to my uncle. Like, what? Yeah, don't do that. So she got pregnant and unfortunately had a miscarriage and then my uncle proposed and they got married. Long story short, she got pregnant again and my cousin was born. But all the time she would say horrible things to him and my grandma about each other, turning them into each other. 
Then she tried to do the same with my mom, but my mom and my dad being wise went like, nope, get out. After that, her relationship with my mom became pretty pretty erratic. She would behave as if my mom was her best friend and then she would say terrible things about her making my uncle distance himself from us, but he always came back after they fought, then disappear for weeks, then come back as if nothing happened. He was clearly in an abusive relationship and still is even though they got divorced after their second child was born. There was this one time that my mom got the creeps and decided to cut ties with her for good and that was the last time she visited her. She told her she one time visited a witch and asked her for a favor. So the witch told her that she would do it, but she had to give her a lock of her hair. She laughed it off and never specified what kind of favor and my mom pretended to laugh it off but was terrified. Fast forward a few years later, my uncle still can't cut ties with her and this has nothing to do with the fact that he has two kids with her. It's more like he needs to see her and needs to get into ugly arguments with her for whatever reason. He pays monthly what he's due to support my youngest cousin but somehow always ends up giving her more money and spending time at her place arguing and obviously doing whatever she asks him to do so my grandma's friends are known as curanderas or healers so my mom and her convinced my uncle to pay one a visit we've had our house cleansed from bad vibes by this woman who burped burped loudly and cleansed my house and it was funny and weird Anyway, so they take him to the healer because he was going through a rough patch and he couldn't get rid of his ex and the woman told him that he had black magic done to him to tie him up to her. She gave him the description of the woman and I kid you not, it was her. At that point, his ex's teeth had started to fall off. Her gums would bleed out of the blue and she was losing massive amounts of hair. Whoa. So my mom and grandma did one plus one and realized she had actually gotten some brujeria done to him. The healer told my uncle to, this is TMI, but basically pee through a red satin ribbon every single morning when he woke up and it should work. The craft, he- That's weird. I know. I know. But I'm tempted to do it myself. You don't have a curse on you. I don't care. I want to see what it's like. (laughs) (laughs) The craft he'd done got on him was very powerful, so it would take a while. And the first few days, he would feel hopeful, but at some point, the bad energy would try to get back at him, and he would feel hopeless and angry and would try to quit. But it was important that he didn't, or he would have to start again from the beginning. So four days after the meeting, he visited my mom at home, and she asked him how he was doing and how the cleansing was going. And he said, I quit. That shit is stupid and useless. So my mother told him not to quit the cleanse and start again from scratch, and he suddenly got really angry and anxious, and things became awkward until he left. Until this day, he's on rough patch after rough patch, and my mom's passing didn't help at all since she was his compass. Hopefully one day he will restart the cleanse because he's 54 now, and I think he's been through enough shit and deserves some happiness. But here's the thing about brujeria. It's not like people think, and I think it's more complex than praying to the devil. It's got to do with your energy and your intentions. If you do the good kind to maybe help someone cleanse their energy, it works perfectly and you won't do any harm because you're investing good energy. But the evil kind goes way back, goes way beyond black magic. It takes a toll on your body. The ones that do it usually lose teeth, get cancerous tumors growing inside their bodies, have teeth and hair grow out of nowhere from their bodies after they fall off their heads and mouths. You become a darker person and carry a dark vibe around you. And it's interesting interesting and fascinating how there are even religions based on rituals that have deteriorated to human and animal sacrifices to achieve their goals. Sometimes it even takes a candle with a distinctive shape and color to do harm, like scissors if you want to break up a couple, the shape of a penis if you want to ruin a man's sex, sex life and break up his relationships, the shape of a man you want someone to fall in with you, etc. 
The worst part is, is that you don't necessarily have to be the target of the ritual or craft. You can simply just get it by accident and have your life ruined. People tend to leave offerings in kids' playgrounds, but I'm not sure why. A workmate once told me she used to live near a park that was sketchy at night, and one morning she was heading to the swings with one of her sisters and found sitting on top of two of the swing chairs were human bones, a small bottle of Coke, and candles. She had no idea what was going on, so she went to grab one candy, and her sister stopped her, and they rushed home. Another time, she was wandering through the woods, and she and her sisters found a dead rabbit next to a skull and a red candle that had been consumed. She touched it without her sisters noticing, mind you. She was like five, and later told her parents, and they told her off so badly that she still to this day feels like crap. By now, you can tell the subject is very interesting for me. I'm a Scorpio. The darkness is within me, and I am darkness. And the rituals differ from each other depending on the witch, the country, and what they use to add more energy to the craft. Now, the victim does not behave as if they're possessed, but the craft translates into rough patches, possible sickness, violence, and the inability to be happy again. Or if you're tying someone up, they feel this very strong love and desire that makes the person feel like they're hopeless without you. Kind of like the Romilda's potion in Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. If you're breaking up a couple, they would have fights until one of them decided to end it while the victim takes the worst part. Although I feel like losing your teeth or hair or getting sick because you're an evil piece of shit that harms people for a living kind of sucks too. Yeah. Anyway, this has gotten kind of long. Probably hate being by now or stop reading. No, we don't. She says, goodbye for now and I'll see you on the other side. And then she attached a picture of her furry friend kitties. Aww. Maria. There, this is such a fascinating topic. Mm-hmm. I don't really know much. I mean, it's hard to know much about witchcraft because it is different based on geographical location and culture and religious right. beliefs. It all depends on the area and your yeah. ancestry and et cetera, et cetera. But it's so scary to think that this, her uncle was truly like, met a woman he fell in love with and then this woman was so desperate to make sure that he'd never left her that she put a curse on him which ruined both of their lives like she's losing her hair and her teeth and like preventing herself from going finding happiness with someone else and then yeah i didn't realize that the person who gives the curse also suffers almost i feel like worse right well she had to give a lock of her hair to the which she asked to put the curse on to on to Maria's uncle. I wonder I wonder if it's because it's like, oh, well you did a bad thing by putting a curse on someone else, so this is going to happen to you, or if the witch then puts the curse on the person asking for the curse so that that person will be dependent and come back and be <laughs> like, I need you to help me with this other curse, someone must have put a curse mm-hmm. on me. Here's more money. I don't know. It's kind of like Ursula in Little Mermaid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Making a deal with Ursula. It's all so confusing. I know. And scary. And like, and also like, it sounds like he's at a point in his life where he feels like his whole life has been like this and he doesn't deserve any better. So he, he's not willing to keep trying the possible solution, which is odd peeing on a red ribbon. But like, it sounds like if he committed to that, it might help right and you know make other choices beyond what you believe is attributed to the curse like no one is forcing you to choose the friends that you chose and also it's not that i don't think it's that difficult to just put red ribbon or red satin ribbon under your your stream every morning like that takes an extra second (laughs) under your stream 
Under your stream, under your stream, everything's better. Under your stream. <laughs> All right, what do you have? Okay, this is a long one, and my voice, I will try to do the best I can with the voice I have. <laughs> Hi, Corinne and Sabrina. I'm interning in my city prosecutor's office this summer, and listening to your podcast on the way to and from work is a nice change of pace from the other kind of horrors I see every week. Anyway, after so many weeks of going through your old Encounters episodes, I thought I'd share my own. Yes. We moved out of my old house a few years ago, and one of the first things I noticed about our new house was how different the energy was in it. The new house felt lighter, if that makes any sense. This observation only underscored what I had already realized about my old house, that there was a heavy presence inside of it. Mm. I came to notice this presence as a young kid. I have a vivid memory from when I was younger, probably around seven, of watching a human-like shadow move down the hall from my parents' bedroom into my own. Nope. I remember rushing to the kitchen for a quick head count to see if maybe the shadow belonged to my family member that I somehow missed seeing. Unfortunately, the rest of the family was accounted for in the kitchen. Mm -mm. From then on, I generally felt as though I was being watched. This feeling was stronger in different parts of the house, but I eventually got used to it. This feeling became harder to ignore. However, around the end of high school, when activities started to ramp up, the activity seemed to center around my mother. She told the family that different objects would seem to just fall off the shelves right in front of her. Mm. And I believed her, of course, but I didn't think much of it. That changed when I started to keep a special eye out for these falling objects. And one day I went to the grocery store with my mom and it seemed like in every aisle we went down, a bag of flour would fall off the shelf just in front of us or an apple would roll out of the stand to our feet. I began noticing this in our house too. And things weren't just falling off of shelves either. For example, one night my younger brother and his girlfriend came storming up the stairs that start in the living room and go down the basement. They were clearly shaken up. Apparently, they had heard a distinct childlike giggle no. emerge from behind the theater chairs that they were sitting in. From then on, activities seemed to surround the basement. I was home alone one day when the basement door slammed shut right in front of me, and naturally I ran to my car and drove to the local Starbucks until someone came home. Another time, the light fixture above the basement door just detached and fell to the ground. I couldn't help but think of the falling items in the pantry and at the grocery store. An activity soon began to crescendo. One night, my parents heard a guttural scream <gasps> emanate from somewhere in their bedroom, no. though they could never locate its source. Mm. That's creepy. That means that they were like, it was happening enough that they could generally walk or investigate that area. That scares me. Yeah. Soon after, we gathered in the living room to discuss the activity in the house. Little family therapy. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Family meeting. <laughs> Everyone was a little on edge, and my mom started to discuss how things were still just falling off of shelves as she approached them. As she recounted a few of the experiences, we heard a loud crash. As it turns out, the light fixture in the pantry had fallen out of place and crashed onto the ground. Uh. We were terrified. It was as if something had been listening in on our discussion and had brought the light fixture down as if to confirm our fears. It was after this had happened that my mother confided something in me. 
years ago, around this time, I saw the first shadow moving from my parents' room to my own. And my father had to fire a woman at work. And he was really nervous to do this, but not for the expected reason. The woman was a known practitioner of witchcraft, and my parents were nervous that she might retaliate against whoever fired her. And eventually my father did fire her. I mean, is this woman married to the guy that cursed my dad? Uh, Maybe. (laughs) It's a little, yeah, I bet. Because it sounds like a very similar instance. Like, I think my dad's lasted a little shorter, but weird things happening in the house, like, it's very similar. Which, if you get let go from a job, like, just just let let go, you know? Move on. Find something better. That wasn't for you. Well, I can't be sure that this firing was the start of it all, my mother did tell me that soon after firing this woman, the first sign of activity occurred in the house. She had been leading a Bible study in our living room, and everybody had just left. She walked into the kitchen with plates in hand ready to start cleaning up when she saw a sharp steak knife used in preparing snacks for her guests laying down on the countertop, spinning in a circle. She watched, terrified, as it slowly stopped spinning. Nope. Anyway, since we moved, activity has settled down. Hopefully, we're good. I imagine that whatever was giving us trouble was attached to that house and not to our family. Hopefully, I won't be proved wrong. Thanks for the podcast and keep up the good work, Cole. It makes me wonder if the woman who was fired only knew his address or like somehow found his address and like cursed the home rather than cursing. Yeah, just looked them. him up in like the white pages or whatever, yeah. yellow pages. Which sucks for whoever moves into that house and I hope it doesn't affect them. Oh my gosh, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> yeah, the family to come after. Yeah. Maybe that's how all home hauntings start. I know that's not true, but like. With curses? Yeah, I know that's not true. Oh my gosh, well thank goodness Cole's family. I mean, it's disturbing all the stuff that happened. Yeah. And- the spinning knife and this, just the ugh. fact that that his parents already had the concern that something would happen too mm-hmm. makes me think that this woman was kind of known for misusing yeah. her practice you know like yeah. if that was already before even firing her the thought was like oh no she's gonna curse us right which means that she's probably had been vocal about it before you know whether it's like someone else yeah, wronged she- her Right. And then making verbal threats to people. Again, this is like goes to like people in traffic who just have anger issues. Like just let it go. It's doing more harm to you than it is to the person you're yelling at. Like breathe. Yes. We should all work on it. Everyone, no one's perfect at it. We all need to just. (sighs) I do this new thing now when when people are idiot drivers. I give them a thumbs up and smile. (laughs) That's a little passive aggressive. (laughs) I know, but at least I feel happy because smiling is like they've shown there's studies that show like even just the act of smiling, even if you're not happy, gives you endorphins. My mom always told me that. She was like, fake it till you make it. And she's like, but for real, like smile when you're unhappy and it will eventually make you happy. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Lesson. Thanks for emailing us. Of this episode. Just don't curse anyone because it clearly doesn't end well. Yeah, just avoid curses the best you can. Did we have to tell you that? I hope not. I hope not. But if you do know curses or if you've been cursed or if you just have a ghost story in general, email them to us at dogirlsandmyghostpodcast at gmail.com. We have a variety of ways to support us. We have Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. 
You can follow us slash join our Facebook group, blah, 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 blah. Uh, we also have iTunes. You can rate and review us on iTunes. You can also represent us via um, buying some merchandise and rocking it and wearing it in public. Mm-hmm. And also word of mouth is yeah. so, so, so huge. Probably the biggest of them all. Yes. Just tell everyone about it. Tell everyone. Also, just thank yous to Corinne. Thank you for showing up this week. I know you're sick. Thank you. I appreciate you and I value you. Thank you to Arms Akimbo who does our wonderful music. Thank you to Eric Foster at Upfire Digital Media who is editing. Thank you to our ghost. Thank you to our guardian angels. Thank you to our fruit fly. Thank you to Leia for being the cutest cat in the world. Who else? Uh, to you, Sabrina. Oh, yes. For being the better half of two girls. One <laughs> That's not true. And also to all of our listeners for putting yes. up with us. Like, sorry about my voice. And we've put out i mean it's we put out with the encounters it's been over 100 episodes and you guys keep coming back and being supportive and listening to our stupid banter banter. so (laughs) thank you thank you and we will see See you on on the other other side. side very spooky